Hi, this is John Moore, and this is the podcast for Monday, the 17th of October for Moore in the Morning from News Talk 1010 AM in Toronto. The application is essentially seeking injunctive relief uh, to stop Cleveland baseball team from displaying their logo when they're in uh, the World Series here against, uh, as you put it, the beloved Blue Jays. That is the lawyer for Douglas Cardinal, a prominent Canadian architect and native. And they're going to be in court today because they want an injunction to prevent the Cleveland Indians from being able to display their logo and their name while playing the Blue Jays tonight. Scott Reed is on the morning brief today. Good morning, Scott Reed. Good morning, John Moore. So, I mean, we were wringing our hands over a thrown beer can. This is going to put us on the international radar. Yes, as the official school monitors of the entire Major League Baseball world. But, you know, I think it's I think it's actually interesting. I mean, I don't like the name. I really hate the name Redskins because to me that's an obvious slur. And I'd like to see these names start to just fade into history. I think you want to see that happen by way of social consensus where people go, you know, I'm going to put so much pressure on these teams that they're going to say sponsors don't want any part of this. Fans don't want part of this. Yeah, there's still a group of people who say tradition, 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 but it changes. Using the court system, I think, is interesting. I don't expect it to succeed. It's not really the way I'd like it to happen because I don't want them to be forced because then they can play the martyr card. But maybe a failed lawsuit has the ancillary benefit that, again, it elevates the debate, elevates the discussion, and causes people to say around dinner tables, well, hang on a second, why am I defending that name? Maybe I need to rethink that. So perhaps we'll have that benefit. I can't imagine it's going to succeed legally, though. Well, the only thing I could see happening, Scott, is a judge thinking, yeah, I don't know what the legal precedent of this is, so I'll give you a temporary injunction. Maybe, but that suggests that they think there's enough merit to that it's going to get resolved in a positive way. I think that's a high bar, but again, you know, from my perspective, I'd rather it not happen through the courts just because I want these teams to come to that place as a force to be as opposed to being forced to be at the place because then they can protest that they're the ones being hard done by. And I I'd rather not have that five years of nonsense debate. Uh, stand by for a second, Scott. More stories this morning to talk about, and certainly the weekend in American politics as the meltdown continued. Um, we'll continue with the morning brief right after this. Scott Reed's on the morning brief today, and Scott, I guess, I mean, it's no surprise Donald Trump would cross into pop culture because he's always been a pop culture figure. Uh, but listen, he was on SNL, uh, Alec Baldwin impersonating him on Saturday night, and then last night, this happened on The Family Guy. Oh, this is a mess. Like when Peter rode that Access Hollywood bus. Hey, thanks for letting me ride on the bus with you. Hey, you want to have some locker room talk? I moved on her, actually. Whoa, 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 that's not locker room talk. I, I meant like good play, good pass, like that kind of thing. I moved on her, and I failed. I'll admit it. Well, as long as you didn't try to her and she was single. I did try and her. She was married. <laughs> oh, you're awesome. Hey, you ever thought of being president? And I moved on her very heavily. In fact, I took her out furniture shopping. Ah, sweet move. Was it Levitt's? She wanted to get some furniture. I said, I'll show you where they have some nice furniture. <laughs> Levitt's. I couldn't get there, and she was married. And all of a sudden, I see her. She's now got the big phony and everything. She's totally changed her look. Well, it is 2005. Everything's changing. Which reminds me, I have an idea for this thing called Twitter, where crazy people can bash ladies and minorities at 3 a.m. She's your girl's hottest in the purple. Oh, also Uber. I, I invented it, if you're listening to this in the future.
Yeah, all right. So having a little fun putting Peter Griffin on the bus instead of Billy Bush, who incidentally is going to get a $10 million settlement from NBC for being terminated. Um, Scott, Donald Trump has really ramped up this business that the media is out to get him. It's all bias. It couldn't have anything to do with the fact that he's unpalatable. And the election is rigged. Now, saying the election is rigged kind of sets the table for some pretty ugly stuff the day after the election. Well, it really does. And, you know, I think it should be concerning to people about, you know, sort of shrug your shoulders, what do you say? My big concern is folks kind of like watch Donald Trump now and everything is part of a piece. And no one really stops to say, hang on, where we're going now is genuinely uncharted territory and it is genuinely dangerous. I wrote a piece a couple of weeks ago in my Ottawa Citizen column saying, remember, when this election is over, if Trump loses, he loses with 60 million voters. Like, it's not like even if he gets trounced. In American terms, he still has tens of millions of people following him. I was in Buffalo this weekend. There were plenty of people there, only too happy to express their enthusiasm for Donald Trump and their absolute spinning-eyed insistence that everything he says is accurate. So you put that together with a guy who says, we ought not to put certain TV shows on if they make fun of me or people like me. We ought not to have elections unless they procure the right outcome. The election process and all politics is rigged unless I am the successor at it. This is dangerous stuff. It encourages people to not only corrode their confidence in the system, but to actually take action. And you got to worry that among that 60 million, there's a fair bunch of crazies who might decide they're going to pick up their Second Amendment right and go after the system. That's the kind of hatred and real violence this guy's stirring up. Scott, thanks a lot. Great to have you. Thank you, John. More in the morning on News Talk 1010. I'm not going to debate who's telling the truth, but it is a she said, he said situation. What I will say is that Just to correct you, I'm sorry. So she said, 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 she said situation. Well, but let's be fair. We have the same situation with the Clintons. Those are the... Those are all the talking points right there of any Trump surrogate in addressing these sexual assault allegations. Start with, well, we don't know what really happened, and then move to, what about Bill Clinton? And when somebody points out, well, Bill Clinton's not in the race, you say, yeah, but Hillary helped. Hillary abetted. But in this whole business of now 10 women, 10 women, accusing Donald Trump of uh, kissing them against their will, of grabbing them against their will, of propositioning them, all the things Donald Trump has already admitted to Billy Bush that he does as a matter of routine, uh, it becomes a pretty ugly situation. And if Donald Trump says it never happened, then we've got to, he's got to find a way to bash it down. Natasha Stoinoff is a reporter. She has worked at The Sun and the Toronto Star. She's now, uh, and, and, and when she was working at People, she said she was uh, assaulted by Donald Trump. People say, well, why'd you stay quiet about it? She said, because he was a powerful guy. But she did tell one person about it when it happened, and that person is her journalism professor, Paul McLaughlin, from York University, who joins us. Paul McLaughlin, it's good to have you. Good morning. Good morning, John. So uh, did she just ring you up and say you won't believe what happened? How did this come to you? Well, um, as you said, I I was her journalism prof, and and I became, I guess, a bit of a mentor for her. And she would often call me from New York, where she worked for people, to just ask sort of journalistic questions. And then I received this call in in late 2005 um, uh, from Florida, where she had uh, gone to interview Donald Trump and um, Melania, who was his new wife and who was very pregnant to do a cover story about you know how wonderful their marriage was and what it was like for Donald to become a dad again 
and uh, she was distraught from what had happened uh, uh, once Melania left the, the room and she was alone with him. What did she say happened? Well, that he came on to her very aggressively sexually, and um, uh, as she mentioned in the article in People, he, he stuck his tongue down her throat, um, and basically, in this sort of almost like chasing around a table scenario, um, made uh, very aggressive sexual advances towards her, and she felt it might have gotten much worse if uh, someone who worked for him hadn't come into the room at that time and, and that put an end to it. Okay, so why was this not news? I mean, did you agree with her assessment that it would be bad for her career if she said something about it? Uh, absolutely. I mean, we obviously talked about it. She, she called because she didn't know what to do. And we went over all the possibilities. And, you know, I wanted her to come to her own um, decision. But I said then, uh, and believed it deeply and believe it even more so now, that uh, back then, if she had um, taken him on publicly, I think he would have destroyed her. But didn't that, if it's all true, then doesn't didn't she abet him by leaving him for another 11 years to behave any way he wanted, even though she was a journalist? Well, I think, yeah, I, I mean, I understand that question, but you have to understand this is a, a young uh, reporter who's trying to make uh, a career in New York, and I felt that someone who we believed was a billionaire, who was one of the most pop popular and powerful personalities in America at that time, um, was not about to admit to Melania Trump that, hey, you know, when you were changing clothes for the photo shoot, I sexually um, assaulted the reporter and told her uh, that we were going to have an affair. I, I hardly think he was going to say that. So then what would he say? And I think what he would have said is, um, no, no, you're lying. You came on to me. I rebuffed you. Look at my beautiful supermodel wife here. We're about to have a baby. And now because I rebuffed you, uh, you're being spiteful or maybe you're trying to shake me down. And then he could have gone to People and every other magazine in uh, New York and said, if you ever deal with her again, I won't give you access. I think he could have done that very easily. So Professor, I, yeah. I, I think that she was in a tremendously vulnerable position. Thank you very much for this. Appreciate it. You're welcome. Paul McLaughlin, uh, journalism professor at York University. You're going to have to put that on the roundtable because you kind of think, wait a second, journalists are in the business of discovering the truth. The Roundtable, brought to you by The Simple Investor, making the world of real estate investment simple. The Free-For-All Roundtable, round one. On round one today, James Laidlaw is the People's Voice Award winner for 2015. Becky Coles, producer on Moore in the Morning. Laurie Goldstein, editor emeritus. You know he's important. He's got a Latin title. From the <laughs> Toronto Sun. And Christy Blatchford is here. Christy, I understand you ran the marathon yesterday. No. No? No, I was there cheering on oh, my friends. Cheering. And get, guess who blows by me but Ben Dixon. Yeah, Mike Ben Dixon was doing the half <laughs> marathon. That's our boss. Yeah, I've run the half there, and I've done the full. But oh, okay. uh, I wasn't running in it this year. I'm not well-trained enough. But he looked really good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's uh, he's all psycho fit at lunchtime, too. But uh, see, he said I saw Blatch. I thought that meant you were running. No, no, no. No, I was waiting for my friend when he... Uh, roared by me <laughs> looking fantastic it's such a nice race it was such a great day honestly. it was and you know what i was stuck in traffic and i couldn't care less because i knew it was going to happen so big deal Good life in a big city so uh it's you know activist wants an injunction against the cleveland indians name and logo the activist is actually douglas cardinal who is uh, an extremely important canadian architect and uh, Aboriginal Canadian as well. Laurie, this takes a debate that's been going on for decades that's sort of, you know, great for talk radio and a sophomore seminar.
seminars, but puts it before a judge before dinner time. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> to me, there's two separate issues here. There's the, there, there's the issue itself. And I, I get the I get the concern, and but but this to me is a publicity stunt. Um, why now? Cleveland's been here a lot. They've even been here a lot this season. Number two, um, I, Christy will, will help. She's our legal expert. But to me, well, well wait a minute. It, it's not Toronto that's the issue here. It's 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 Cleveland's team. Yeah. Major League Baseball in the United States. You think it's disrespectful of our guests? Well, I, I think that I think that it's silly. I think, and I think what I hope that the judge will do is either it will be the court doesn't recognize trivialities, or he'll just stay his decision until I think uh, Jerry Edgar was saying this round of playoffs is is Thursday. After Thursday, a week, nobody will care. And then he can say no. Well, Christy, I know you'd never identify as a legal expert, but you've spent a lot of time in courtrooms. Do you? What would you expect today, or does it depend on the judge? Um, I don't know what to expect. I think it does a bit depend on the judge. I don't know. I mean, I wish Ed Pritchie was with us this morning. He could tell us, but I'm not a lawyer and I'm not familiar with the the law that might apply, except that I think Laurie raises an interesting point. I mean, I don't know about jurisdiction here. That's the thing. I don't know if the judge would have the jurisdiction to say to an American baseball team, while in our city, you can't use your name or to, or to even consider that as a as a real issue before him. I don't know. It's yeah. going to be interesting. It is. It's an interesting gambit. Because I also think, I mean, they can argue a charter challenge. I mean, that they can call themselves whatever they want and have whatever logo they want. It's not up to a court to decide what's offensive. James, do you consider this embarrassing to us? Like, looking at this from <laughs> outside of Canada, do we look really silly? Well, I... I, I don't think we look silly. I think we have a long uh, and storied relationship with First Nations people in this country. So I think we have to take these things seriously. Although, despite the fact that it's not our jurisdiction, I, I struggle here with why the term Indians uh, is offensive to some people. When I was a kid in school, we learned about the Indians. That was it was probably an incorrect term that was, you know, describing, a, you know, the entire race of people or but. It's not a derogatory term. It's not used in a derogatory sense. When if you call somebody that, it may be incorrect, but it's not used uh, in anger or or. Um, yeah, I would find Redskins or Eskimos worse. Right. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? Eskimos apparently is pejorative, but you are correct. It's a bit like when you call disabled people invalid, which is kind of a, a rude thing to say, but it's not necessarily an out and out well slander. And some of the the big. Uh, uh, activist movements in the states at least one of them used to be called the american indian movement aim yeah mm-hmm. but even within my generation it was a perfectly acceptable term becky do you consider i mean you know are we going to have to hang our heads in shame at some point today especially if a judge tells them to cover it up and are going to be pixelating the broadcast or they're going to be wearing bags i have a feeling that we're going to see a patch or something go over top of whatever needs to be covered up if that decision does come down but i think Lori's right next week we'll be moving on to how we're in the world series and that'll be it and so all of a sudden we won't be caring about this t- team from cleveland because that'll be a non-issue and it doesn't make us look silly regardless i mean it, no. it's yeah. a serious man making a serious motion, whatever else. And I, I don't think that this, I don't know Douglas Cardinal, but I can't imagine he hasn't got better things to do uh, if this didn't matter to him greatly. And it seems to me mm. in one of the first stories I read about it, there was something that had 
sort of just put him over the edge and he thought, I don't want to listen to this anymore. I don't want to hear Chief Wahoo. Remember, let us not forget the mascot, yeah. which is mm-hmm. completely right. offensive. Yeah, yes, that is. is. Okay. Uh, now, Douglas Cardinal, we reached out to him. He's not talking. His lawyer, Michael Swinwood, is talking and actually was on the uh, Mark Tui show yesterday. So the application is essentially seeking injunctive relief uh, to stop Cleveland baseball team from displaying their logo when they're in uh, the World Series here against, uh, as you put it, the beloved Blue Jays. All right. So, you know what? We'll be covering this. News Talk 1010 will cover it because this is not just a Toronto story. This is an international story today. Uh, Let me ask you, it inevitably explodes every couple of months. A woman is told to cover up when she's breastfeeding. In this case, she was in the Lambton Golf and Country Club this past Saturday. Couldn't find a babysitter, she and her partner, so they brought the two-month-old child, Jacob, and uh, she was sitting on a couch breastfeeding when the club manager got out a tablecloth to shield her from the view. I shouldn't laugh, but it's just, you know, please, madam, cover up. And then ultimately said, don't you think you'd be more comfortable downstairs? James, let me start with you because, um, you know, I'm, I'm not into shaming women over breastfeeding. Right. But golf clubs, I mean, I've been told to tuck my shirt in. I've been sneered <laughs> well, at because my shorts are too short. Y- you know, there's a lot of um, a lot of etiquette around golf courses. You know, you're not supposed to wear your hat in the clubhouse and yeah. whatever, whatever. But uh, this is clearly an overreaction. And I think it's time that everybody just uh, chills out a little bit. We all get naked at least twice a day. Uh, I, you know, I, I think that this guy has just clearly overreacted. And if people are being snooty, it's probably at the Lambton Golf and Country club or, 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 or somewhere close and I, I i can say that because they're not a client of mine yet yet but you know yeah becky um, i always say i mean the only thing worse than a condo uh, association is a golf club I, well it certainly feels that way and i don't know how many times i've been to one either to attempt to play golf and maybe that's why they look so poorly at me or um you know for events or something else where you feel out of place unless you kind of look like that traditional um you have the old-fashioned look like Payne Stewart used to wear you feel very out of out of place and I think it's time to change that I'm not saying that we get rid of a proper way to dress but it certainly feels like this is a really uptight situation and um I don't know. Why is every other week there's an issue about breastfeeding? I don't yeah. understand. I don't I'm know. confused. Well, Christy, do you suspect this is a bit like, you know, uh, people who turn away guide dogs? There's a few last dumbass holdouts. <laughs> <laughs> or or is this still a debate? No, I, I think you've hit it right in the nail, right in the head. I think it, there's just a few people who don't get it. And, uh, and I'm with Becky. I have my entire life felt out of place in golf, cl- golf clubs <laughs> and always have the urge to do something terribly indiscreet. So. Well, you did do something terribly she, indiscreet. She I did, did once. She yeah. did something terribly great. Yeah. For those who haven't heard the story before, uh, it was already going south, apparently, uh, the game. So uh, Rosie DeMano and Christy Blatchford took their tops off and decided to play golf topless. There Just the go. last three holes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, let me start with you on this one, uh, Lori, there's this sort of hand-wringing article about something I saw on my street just a couple of weeks ago, a sign going up outside a house that says, coming soon. And apparently this is against the real estate rules. But frankly, who cares? I mean, what ethics are we violating if we say that there's going to be a listing? Well, some of the people in the real estate industry are saying, if you're going to say it's going to be on the MLS listing, it has to go on the MLS listing. That You can't just do that and then have it sold before it goes on the MLS. And that's Uh the concern. Yeah. That's the that's the concern. Um, but what's the downside you know, of it not being on the MLS? Well, it, it, look, it, it's it's the real estate's rules, right? I guess it's about fair access. But to me, this is kind of it's sort of like, okay, this is the hill you're going to die on. I mean, <laughs> what's going yeah. on? 
homes get onto the MLS, and then it's like the friggin' Wild West. There's a price, but the price is just, ha-ha, that's not really the price. Uh, we're going to build up as many people as we can bidding against each other. Nobody knows what any bill. I mean, I've, I've talked, I have friends, uh, all kind, they're putting bids on houses, 100000 200000 over the asking, and they're losing. Yeah. So, you know, that's the bigger problem. This, to me, I agree with you. Like, this is this is the big issue. What about the fact that it's unaffordable to live in this city? Yeah. If you don't have a house already. It's a bit like an untucked golf shirt. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> James, you're the you're the guy in the street. Well, Do you, you see something wrong with this? I don't see anything wrong with it. In fact, I saw it on my street as well not too long ago. And it, this is an age-old sales tactic, get people interest before it comes on the market. It's not something new. It's not something underhanded. It's perfectly legit. But, you know, if you're, if you're potentially in the market for something, let's say the house next door to you comes up for sale and you decide you want to buy it and it just pops up on Monday say hey it's for sale you now got to scramble maybe you're not prepared if it's coming soon hey listen hey you would talk to your wife you know your spouse we want to look at buying this house we got to go to the bank whatever I think it's a great way to to encourage more competition in the marketplace and get those 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 that bidding war might be frustrating for people trying to buy houses but it's great for the sellers yeah. spoken right. like a true homer <laughs> you know see we're all very happy and That's comfortable because right. we already yeah. own our own homes yeah. um, if you're a real estate agent and you want to tell me why there's something horribly wrong with this you can always text us at 71010 71010 or even give us a call not a lot of time left on the round table 416-872-1010 Donald Trump was spoofed mercilessly for the third week in a row on Saturday Night Live, and now he says the show should be canceled. Robert, we got some of that comedy? Here we go. Four of those women are here tonight. Four of them. Wait, I'm sorry. Who's here? Mistresses. Bill, how could you? How will I go on with the debate? No, I'll never be able to remember my facts and figures now. Oh, Donald, no! made of steel this is nothing hi girls <laughs> <laughs> uh, they also mercifully make fun of um hillary clinton should be noted donald trump says the show is uh is boring and has no ratings but he hosted it last year um becky i think the bigger story actually is him suggesting the election's going to be rigged i mean he's bracing himself for his inevitable loss this is such a fascinating time in American history because I think no one would have predicted 15 months ago that this was going to happen and certainly wouldn't have predicted that it would fall apart the way it's falling apart. And people that were completely 100 percent ready to support Trump are now going, oh, geez, now I got to vote for the other one. And now what do I do? And so it's just kind of interesting to watch it all fall apart. And I love that he's grasping at straws now. He's saying anything that, well, well, she did this and Bill was like this. and oh, It's rigged Anyway, and then yeah, the you're going to have all exactly, yeah. and you're going to have people going, "Yeah, it is rigged." And what, like, what a scary setup for actual election day. Yeah. Well, and Christy, can I ask you about the point we talked to the professor of the People magazine journalist who accused in 2005? She says Donald Trump grabbed her and kissed her against her will. She phoned the professor, and they agreed together they shouldn't say anything because it could ruin her career. He still thinks that was the right advice. Do you? Um, I don't know. I, I'm, you know. Uh... No, I, I, my advice to a young person who's been, you know, uh, harassed, sexually harassed or abused would be to complain about it. To, and I, you know, I can't imagine that you, you're thinking of your career when you're in, still in journalism school. I sure wasn't. I was thinking about my next beer, to be honest. But, uh, <laughs> uh, I mean, I, these people with their five-year plans kind of blow me away. But uh, anyway, uh, the point is, to her, I suppose, is that he's saying, yes, she told me about it uh, contemporaneously, and she was upset, yeah. and I believe her. So in that sense, it's an interesting 
you know, twist on or not twist, but a, an interesting supportive narrative mm -hmm. for her. But I don't think his advice was particularly good. Folks, we got to call it there, but thanks for a great discussion. It's 8 o'clock in the great city of Toronto. I'm not going to debate who's telling the truth, but it is a she said, he said situation. What I will say is that Just to correct you, I'm sorry. So she said, 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 she said situation. More in the morning on News Talk 1010. That was CNN's Jake Tapper pointing out that there's more than one allegation. And as a matter of fact, we're now up to 10. Uh, one of the people who's been documenting this and documented the most recent accusation is the Washington Post's Karen Tumulty, and she joins us. Good morning. Great to be here. So uh, I guess I could ask you as a newspaper person, uh, what's the scoop? What uh, what person have you come across? Um, I and, and once the one thing that's important to know about this is this is not a person who came to the Washington Post. We went to her, but um, it's a woman named Kristen Anderson. And after the very explosive videotape of Donald Trump boasting about sexually assaulting women. Uh, came out about nine days ago, we got a tip from someone that they knew of someone who had been, you know, had had this happen to her in very much the specific manner that Donald Trump was talking about, specifically uh, grabbing her genitals. And so um, Kristen told us a story, and she was very reluctant to come forward, and we spent a lot of time checking it out to the degree you can. Um, that she had been in a nightclub in the early 1990s, uh, sitting there, you know, essentially talking to a bunch of friends when suddenly she felt this hand come up her skirt. And this is a story that she had told friends even just a few days after it happened. And we also spoke to those friends um, and, you know, ultimately decided that, that Kristen was credible, that, you know, there, that it is always going to be you know, uh, one person's account versus the others, but that that there seemed to be no reason she would be making this up. Now, what do you say to Donald Trump and his supporters who insist this is just all big liberal media conspiring against him? All the women are lying. It's so painfully evident they're all liars. That, that That's how he would phrase it. Well, the, the only two, the two main criticisms he had of Kristen's account was, number one, he said she was doing this for fame, which is, you know, again, we approached her. She didn't approach us. Um, and number two, he said it was preposterous that he would ever be in a nightclub by himself. Well, we never said he was there by himself. We said it was a very, very crowded nightclub. Um, so he has not, you know, he's denying that it happened, but his his supposedly proof of all of this uh, does not really square with what's in our story. Karen Tumulty, thank you very much. Appreciate this. Great to be here. Thank you. National political correspondent with The Washington Post, Karen Tumulty. That's the podcast. Thanks a lot for listening. I hope we'll talk again soon.